Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a weekly travel podcast show where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Hey, if you've traveled with children, you know how important a good family resort is. And one of the main components that makes up a good family resort is the Kids Club. So a little later in our podcast, the folks from Sunwing are going to join us because they recently came out with their list of the top five resorts with the best kids clubs. Plus, our good friend, travel writer and blogger Paula Worthington will stop by. She was recently in Scottsdale, Arizona, admiring the different architecture styles from Frank Lloyd Wright. So we'll chat with her about that. See, Scottsdale is more than just golf and swimming pools and shopping and warm weather. And it seems that the sharing economy is being used more and more in the travel industry these days with the likes of Airbnb for accommodation choices, Uber and Lyft for ride sharing, and companies like Outdoorsy that we talked with in our podcast a few weeks ago for RVs. Well, there's another one you can use to replace the traditional way to rent a car, and it's called Churo, and we're very pleased to have Cedric Mathieu join us now to tell us more about it. He's the director for Churo Canada. The website is churo.com. That's T-U-R-O dot com. Hi, Cedric. Hi, Randy. How are you? Uh, I'm good. In this uh, shared economy world we seem to have uh, with Airbnb and all kinds of other things going on, this sounds like a cool idea. So tell me about uh, Churo and how the uh, idea came about. Yeah, it is a cool idea. Uh, Turo is um, a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace. Uh, so it's basically a platform that connects individual car owners who have a car but don't use that car all the time uh, with travelers who need a car but don't have one. So the idea is very simple. Uh, but for car owners uh, across Canada, it's really a new way to make money with a car. Uh, and for travelers, it's a cheaper, better way to access a car, whether it's for a day or for several weeks. Um, so the, the platform was launched in the U.S. back in 2010, and uh, we expanded to uh, Canada uh, about two years ago in 2016. And uh, since then, more than 400,000 members uh, have joined the Toronto community in Canada, and uh, more than 12,000 cars have been uh, listed on the platform. So it's really growing in popularity, and uh, we're really excited about the, uh, the response of Canadians uh, towards our, our platform. Mm-hmm. Well, again, the website is turo.com, so T-U-R-O. Dot com And like you said, it's pretty simple. If I have a car and I want to rent it, I just list it. And if I'm looking to rent a car, I sign up and find one. <laughs> Is that basically how it works? That's exactly how it works. Uh, it would take a few minutes for you to list your car on the marketplace. You would just uh, uh, answer the information for your car. You would select the price and your availability uh, based on your uh, calendar that's going to show in the app. And uh, then your car will become available to, uh, to rent for uh, other people. So people would just connect to the app and browse the amazing selection of cars because we have more than uh, 800 makes and models, uh, different makes and models available on the platform. So you can rent anything from... Uh, you know, we like to say uh, uh, anything from um, A4 to, uh, to, to Z4 because you have really any kind of makes and models. And, um, and, and based on these cards, people will just place requests and um, the host will accept that request um, and off you go. So who sets the price? Is there a set price depending on the make and model or is it the person listing the car? 
So uh, Toro would provide you with guidance uh, on the price for your car, depending on the make, on the model, on uh, the year, or on uh, where your car is listed. Uh, but uh, in the end, it's really the host uh, who has the final word on the pricing they want to set for their own cars. Now, I guess the big question is insurance. Uh, you've, have, you, have you worked at all the, the fine points? I mean, all, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong from both points. Uh, if I'm renting a car, something could go wrong with it, or if my car is being rented, something could go wrong with it. How do you, how do you fix that? Yeah, so we actually put in a lot of work and effort to, um, to, to make insurance work and to make sure that people feel confident renting the cars out because, uh, as you can imagine, safety uh, is, a, is a key component of any transportation marketplace. Um, and so when we launched in Canada about two years ago, we negotiated a partnership with one of the leading insurance providers in Canada, uh, Intact Financial Corporation, um, that designed a completely new insurance product specifically for, uh, for Turo. And so the way it works is that when you list your car on Turo, your car will be protected by the uh, insurance coverage that's provided uh, by Intact and Turo. And so your personal insurance will never get affected by your activity on Turo. Uh, so anything happening during a trip will be basically claimed against the commercial policy that's provided by Turo. Uh, so as a result, um, your personal uh, premiums, the personal insurance will never be affected. So who pays for the insurance then? Is it the rentee or renter? So it's really, uh, the, the insurance will be uh, part of the, of the commission that uh, Turo will uh, take on every trip. Uh, so as a host, you would basically, if your car uh, is listed for $100 a day, uh, in the end you will get $75 and Turo will keep um, a 25% commission and uh, that commission will be used towards insurance uh, coverage. So, so that's really uh, how, how it works. And the insurance is very comprehensive. You have $2 million worth of liability insurance on, on every trip, um, and the car is covered up to the full value of the car for physical damage with no deductible for the host. So what's been the feedback now, like now from your customers? Well, it's been amazing feedback. As I mentioned, like the growth has been pretty spectacular, and frankly, we're uh, growing in Canada at uh, an even higher uh, pace than we were in the U.S. Uh, you know, five, five or uh, four years ago. So uh, it's been pretty, pretty interesting to watch all these uh, all these cars being listed on the marketplace over the past two years. Uh, the potential is, is huge, and uh, we're only uh, scratching the surface. I'm really excited about the future. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like an interesting concept. If you want to try it out, the website is turo.com. T-U-R-O dot com. And Cedric Mathieu is the director for Turo Canada. I appreciate your insight, uh, Cedric. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. If you've ever traveled with children, you know how valuable a good family resort can be. And one of the main components that makes up a good family resort is the Kids Club. Well, the folks from Sunwing recently came out with a list of five extraordinary resort kids clubs. And to tell us more about it is Rachel Goldrick. She's the Senior Corporate Communications Manager for Sunwing. Their website is sunwing.ca. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Randy. Uh, very nice to chat with you. Uh, we're going to talk about kid-friendly resorts, uh, all of them uh, listed on the uh, Sunwing website, sunwing.ca. But uh, give, me a, give me a basics of uh, what the criteria is that makes up a really good kid-friendly resort. I kind of have an idea, but uh, maybe give me some of the, the necessities, I guess, that uh, people should be looking for. 
Sure. Um, I think when you're looking for a resort um, to cater, you know, to younger travellers, to you know, when you're taking little ones down south, it does pay to do do your homework. Um, things to look out for. First of all, is certainly um, accommodation options. Are, are there rooms that sleep, you know, families of five or more? Are there, you know, are there different sort of room categories that, you know, may sort of, you know, fit you more comfortably? And obviously after that, you're looking for location. Is the resort on a child-friendly beach, safe swimming? And after that, of course, what they're going to do there. And mm-hmm. that's really where kids' clubs come in, daily entertainment. And it's amazing now how many activities and um, sports and entertainment programs are all included in your package if you do opt for an all-inclusive resort. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the all-inclusive is a good way to go because you're never having to worry about finding food for your kids. And, and you, make a, <laughs> you make a good point about rooms with five or more. I always feel sorry for families that uh, have more than two kids because there's that odd number. Uh, I think everything's based on the number four, right? Yeah, that that's that's really true. I think sometimes if if you if you are you know a different size family or maybe you're you're doing a multi generational trip, maybe taking the grandparents down as well. Um, it is good uh, to find a resort that caters um, for larger groups. Uh, we actually have a handy link on our website if you head on over to Summing.ca, which provides a list of um, resorts that do have rooms that sleep families of five or more. And there's loads of different options from you know rooms to suites. Um, some options even with swim out small suites, jacuzzis, so lots of great options if you know if you are traveling with a larger group. Mm-hmm. Well, you have five extraordinary resorts that we're going to talk about, uh, not in mm. any particularly or particular order, right? No, no, not at all. Um, there are so many to choose from, and I think, Roddy, another thing we should mention as well when you are looking for family resorts where we dive into the kids' clubs um, is also look for um, child places because at many resorts uh, with Sunwing, we have options where kids stay, play, and eat free, so that can make your vacation budget go a little bit further as well. Yeah. And there's also often teen prices um, because sometimes, you know, if you are traveling with older children, there's, there's still options there to make sure everyone can get down and enjoy their fun in the sun. But when it comes to resorts, certainly you're going to want to pick a resort that's family friendly, that has a good daily free kids club. So um, we've rounded up five of our favorites to chat about today. Um, the first one is uh, Nickelodeon uh, Hotels and Resorts in Punta Cana. This is actually a resort that one of our Kidcationers uh, recently reviewed. We do a program every year where we hunt for um, a travel-savvy um, youngster or oh, really? of young children <laughs> to go down and, um, and review our resorts. And this resort was recently reviewed by a Kidcationer named uh, Jacob. And you can check out his video um, over at Sunwing's um, Facebook page. Oh, cool. He had an amazing time here with his family. Um, as the name would suggest, uh, Nickelodeon Hotels and Resorts. It's all about the Nickelodeon characters. So one of the highlights experiences here is getting slimed, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style. And there is a fabulous sort of massive bucket loaded up with slime that, you know, can drench families. That only a kid would like. by the water park. Yeah, it's by the water park, so it's okay. You can get nicely rinsed off so even mum and dad can join in. And and I know he had an absolute blast doing that. The kids' club here is incredible. Um, It's got a mega ball pit it's got um, um, it's just got an, uh, slime making classes there's just so many different it's a two story, two story slide <laughs> there's so many different things that go on in there and apart from the turtles of course there's Spongebob Sweat 
SpongeBob SquarePants. Pants is mm-hmm. all the difficult ones to say. SpongeBob yes. SquarePants uh, and Dora the Explorer. So loads of characters. And, and of course, once you step out of the kids' club, there's so many great things that the family can enjoy at the resort as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. just great experiences for children in and out of the kids' club. But obviously the kids' club there is a big highlight. Uh, one of my places on your list is the Grand Riviera Princess. Uh, I've stayed at this, and I don't recall. Is this new, the uh, water slide and the uh, teen club there? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how, how new it is, um, but there, there is a great kids' club down there that now has um, its own pool and water slide included within it. Um, I think we always like to say this one, it's a great option for the parents as well. You know, if you stay there, you'll recall there's some fabulous a la carte dining experiences included and your package there there's a full service spa there are 12 pools so you know when the children are cooling off and having fun in that you know in that fabulous interactive kids club there you know with its own uh, with its own splash and you know splash area <laughs> and pool and water slide there's so much for parents to enjoy and you know and obviously it's a fabulous area Playa del Carmen you know beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful piece of Mexico's Caribbean coast so it's it's a great option and and a Another really good resort when you are looking, you know, for maybe families of five or more, you know, great bride's of room size. Let's uh, talk about the yeah. Memories Holguin <laughs> Beach Resort. This is uh, in Cuba now, yeah? Yeah, this is a fabulous option for children. Um, the Kids Club at this Memories Resort in Cuba is the largest of all the Memories Resorts in Cuba. It's actually a two-story Kids Club. Obviously, it runs every day. It's free. Um, and one of the activities they do is Tuesdays is uh, Zoo Day. So the children board a little carriage. They have a little carriage ride down to the petting zoo. They get to, you know, to pet and you know visit a variety of different animals. And, and that's just one of the weekly activities that's included in the Comprehensive Kids program here they have a friday talent show they have meet and greets with uh, favorite characters tupi and binu that obviously live at memories resorts um there are water games and again it's such a beautiful area of cuba so when the children are being entertained at this fabulous kids club the parents are, you know obviously some great water sports to take advantage of including your package windsurfing kayaking um or just chilling out on that amazing beach uh-huh. you know it's a great corner of cuba so um yeah lots lots to do that. That's what I was going to point out. The parents can, it says right here, parents can look forward to sipping on their favorite <laughs> tropical cocktails on the beach while your kids are being entertained. So that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, right? it is. <laughs> we only got a couple minutes, so let's quickly uh, give a uh, mention to yeah, the R2. Let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. So Jewel, uh, Runaway Bay Beach and Golf Resort in Jamaica is another of top picks. Um, they've actually got a ruby red ranch where kids can stand there in the wild west, horse riding, horse grooming lessons, campfires, even laser tag, um, obviously, you know, maybe uh, making their own s'mores. But what's great about this is when you've uh, left the ranch, you can cool off in the largest on-site water park in Montego Bay. And parents are going to love it because it has its own championship golf course and the green fees are free. And awesome. there's also tennis courts there as well. So, so active parents, they can tee off while the kids are doing the lazy tag so everyone's <laughs> going to be happy. Nice. And finally, and the... Another uh... one we should just, yes, we should try and mention the last one, Rotem Bavaro Resort and Spa. Yeah. Uh, this is one of um, our newest uh, newest resorts we're offering this year. Um, as the name would suggest, it's on Punta Cana's um, famous Bavaro Beach. But what um, stands out is the things that you can do off the beach. It's the 
first Rawton Resort to have its own flow rider, which is the ultimate surf machine where the, you know, the kids and mm-hmm. certainly the teens as well can practice doing their hang tens. Great kids and teen clubs, um, complimentary daily at this resort. And one nice thing about Rawton is the kids clubs normally stay up open later in the evenings as well. So parents can take advantage of some of those a la carte dining experiences that, that are included at no extra charge. Perfect. And maybe they can sneak away and, you know, have a dinner without the kids, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe early, early buffet dinner for the kids, drop them off at the kids club and go and, you know, go a la carte. Very and also nice. Character meet and greets here as well. Royalton is home to Max and Ruby. So there really is something for everyone. And uh, the nice thing is all these kids club experiences are included in the price you pay. So no supplements when you're down there. Five extraordinary resort kid clubs or kids clubs. Uh, you can find them on kids the Sunwing clubs, yeah. <laughs> website, sunwing.ca. And uh, Rachel Goldrick, uh, spokesman for Sunwing. I, I thank you for your insight, Rachel. Sounds like a lot of fun no matter where they go. Absolutely. So many choices to yeah get down there and uh, keep the, entertain- the kids entertained this summer. And most importantly, make sure parents get a bit of R&R for themselves. Perfect. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Scottsdale, Arizona is a very popular place to visit for many Canadians, mostly for the warm weather and the shopping and the golf. But I would venture to guess that most people haven't noticed some of the architectural wonders in Scottsdale. Well, in her recent visit to Scottsdale, travel writer and blogger Paula Worthington had the chance to tour some of the sites designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. And Paula's here now to share her experience with us. Hi, Paula. Hello, Randy. Welcome back. Always great to Great to talk to you. You always have different and fun adventures. And uh, your last adventure was in Scottsdale, which I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with. But you always find different things. So what was different about Scottsdale that the uh, average person visiting the Phoenix area might not notice? That's right. I think for Canadians, Scottsdale is a really popular destination. And, um, you know, there's always something new to discover. I've been there a couple of times now. And uh, this trip I started out when I landed, I went to Taliesin West, which was the original um, desert home and studio that belonged to architect Frank Lloyd Wright in the 1940s and 50s. And he had um, an architecture school there and, and students. And interestingly enough, there's still a handful of students who are still alive who live on that land and there's an architecture school still there today and those who know Frank Lloyd Wright he was really the master of of what we now call mid-century modern um, which is really prevalent in some parts of Scottsdale as well which when we think about Scottsdale we often think about you know these houses that one looks the same to the next and there's a cactus out front um, but when you dig a bit deeper you can actually find some really interesting history um, to Scottsdale, even though it's not a very old place, but some ways to really uncover some of the past and the inspiration that was had there. So is this like a touristy area? Can you actually like tour the area as a touristy spot? Or like, how did you find <laughs> this yeah, area? Yeah, it's just on the outskirts of Scottsdale. It's not very far. Um, it's in a beautiful spot, kind of up on the hills. You can look at various parts of his residence and the school there. You do have to take a tour. Um, so you can book the tour in advance or you can take your chances and show up, but chances are you may have to wait in a couple of hours. 
Um, but the guided tour is really great. They go through his inspiration and why he ended up building a house in you know the outskirts of, of Scottsdale, which at the time was very much the outskirts, a little bit closer now that the city's grown, um, and really gaining an understanding of, of what he contributed to architecture. Uh, he was a little bit eccentric, uh, we all know that, but he did um, contribute some amazing structures throughout the U.S., Canada, beyond. I think out of his uh, over 1,100 designs, uh, about half of those, so just shy of 600 buildings, were actually built. So he left behind a huge legacy. And I stayed that night at the Hotel Valley Ho in Old Scottsdale, which was originally built in the 1950s. And it was a hideaway for a lot of Hollywood royalty because the paparazzi wouldn't follow them into Arizona. So um, that hotel was restored and had some massive construction. I think it was an $80 million renovation in the early 2000s and you know you walk in and it feels very glamorous 50s and it's got these hints of pieces that are very contemporary but you also see that nod back to um, you know the mid 50s when you would have the Marilyn Monroe's of the world escape Hollywood and come to the desert and have a chance to relax and enjoy the sunshine and the great weather. So there is a there's a whole different I'm looking at this uh inspiration website now it's hollandresidential.com and it has a whole different types of of townhomes and apartments so people actually live uh in this area like anyone else would right Yeah absolutely um you know and I think that that whole area Frank Lloyd Wright really tried to draw inspiration from the desert and he did some interesting things design wise to help you know block out the sun or let the sun in depending on what you wanted to do in the desert and really incorporated some of those natural design elements. Um, Another place I stayed on the north end of Scottsdale, which did not have necessarily a Frank Lloyd Wright inspiration, but a very, you know, that natural desert-inspired way of design was called the Boulders Resort and Spa. And the architect there, he actually camped on the land for about a year before he started building that resort because he wanted to make sure that it was really low profile, that it took um, inspiration from the land, that they could preserve the natural wildlife corridor. So he lived there, you know, for about a year before he built it. And the result of that was at that particular resort, there's no straight lines. So there's all these boulders out in the desert and the whole resort takes inspiration from that. So everything is rounded corners, um, rounded roads, and it really creates this really zen-like experience. And when, you, when you're when you on the road, you actually have to watch for the sign because you can't even see the resort from the road because it's so <laughs> well kind of camouflaged by the natural desert environment. So now, did you see the Frank Lloyd Wright spire that's uh, in Scottsdale? Yeah, yeah. You see it uh, kind of on, on one of the main, I think it's right on Scottsdale Road, one of the main roads there. Um, so you can see the spire, which was, has been there for years and years. And, um, you know, again, it's funny, you don't think of Scottsdale as being an architecture type of place. And you do have to kind of dig around a little bit, but you can find these interesting nods to um, really being inspired by the desert environment. A lot of people think of the desert as this kind of vast emptiness. But when you go for a hike or for a, a bike ride or a walk in the desert and let it unfold before you, you really see you know, the amazing wildflowers and the different type of cactus that grows and the abundance of 
wildlife that you you wouldn't think is normally there but when you kind of take the time to slow down and really enjoy it you you really see that it can be a place of great inspiration so now um what made you want to go and and look at all the stuff from frank lloyd wright were you a sort of uh, a fan of his or what inspired you i guess yeah i've always been a fan of his architecture and i didn't really know a lot about his story and i'd heard that he had a house in the desert and that he'd had a studio there and and i thought wouldn't it be interesting to see you know, the place where a lot of this architecture that, you know, the the things that are still designed today from his um, work is kind of seeing the birthplace of it. And, and he, you know, he this was his kind of his, his winter home, if you will, his desert home. Um, but, you know, to see kind of the original builds and the original things that he created that are still in use today. So I, I'd say, yeah, I'm a fan of his his work and I was kind of intrigued that this uh, this guy from the Midwest found his way to the desert and what that looks like to him. Mm-hmm. So now anybody uh, planning a trip to the uh, Phoenix area or Scottsdale, what would you suggest if they wanted to do something similar? Well, I think, you know, a great place to start. They can visit, uh, there's a great website, experiencescottsdale.com. Um, they have all kinds of adventures. You can go nighttime mountain biking in the desert. Of course, there's golf, there's hiking, there's spa facilities. So that website really shows you the various types of activities you can do, but it also has great access to some of the really unique and different hotels there, kind of like the ones that I was able to experience, the mid-century Hotel Valley Ho, which is right in the heart of old Scottsdale. And then you've got a place like the Boulders, which is a little further out of the city, um, you know, where you're really surrounded by the environment. So you can take a browse there and find a couple of places. And, and I would re- really recommend that is if you go, you know, it's, there's sometimes a convenience factor of just staying in one place the entire time when you're on holidays. But there's also something to be said about trying two or three different hotels and having a completely different experience at each one and being able to explore the area around you because Scottsdale is quite a big place. Yes, it is. And there's always something different to see. And it's always uh, great to chat with you, Paula Worthington, uh, travel writer, blogger. Uh, What's the uh, title of your article on your website going to be? Uh, It'll be um, just check for Scottsdale architecture. You'll find it there. And the website is wanderswild.com. Always a pleasure to chat, Paula. Thank you. Thank you. And that's this week's Informed Traveler podcast. We want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute and rate the show. Leave us a review. Tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.